Hi there, data storytellers. It's Paul Capon here. And today I'm with Zhong Li, who's the Director of Data Science and AI at Novartis. Hi, Zhong. Great to have you with us. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me. Just to start with, tell us a bit about yourself in, in your own words, you know, your background, your, your, your roles, uh, your passions about data, and just give us a bit of a flavor as to who you are to start with. Yeah, sure. Uh, so before I start, I'd like to put a disclaimer. So the views expressed are my, are my own, uh, not that of Innovatis. Uh, so um, I have a long journey of uh, data science in and AI in biomedicine. So I got a PhD in information science from the University of Pittsburgh, and then uh, postdoctoral training in bioinformatics from Johns Hopkins University. Uh, after that, I went to a small AI company uh, where I served as principal investigator for government-sponsored projects in data mining, text mining, and biomedical applications. Uh, and then about uh, 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to join Eli Lilly company and uh, entered the pharmaceutical industry um, where I researched on the uh, research informatics. And later on, as the company started to brand in the data science, I started to focus more on uh, data science, especially machine learning and natural language processing. Mm. Uh, and more recently, I joined Novartis, uh, where I lead AI and data efforts to empower the pharma value chain from the early discovery to clinical trials and uh, through real-world evidence and uh, outcomes research. Uh, so you see, um, I have background in both uh, data and uh, also biomedicine. So I'm glad I have the opportunity to serve the patients and the pharmaceutical industry using data and AI. Mm, interesting. And I know that uh, R&D, real-world analytics, is something that's, that's really getting a lot of attention at the moment, especially in the last couple of years or so. Uh, yeah. But before we get into all of that, what you mentioned that this kind of evolved from a, a program uh, into a data science function, or, or and it has been doing that over the last couple of years or so. Yeah. Why do you enjoy working with data and analytics, and specifically in the pharmaceutical industry, let's say? Yeah, um, you know, uh, so... Um, yeah, when it goes to the pharmaceutical industry, uh, I, I would start with the general industry trend, mm. right? So uh, I, I can start with my own experience. So when I was in uh, graduate school, we studied machine learning, data mining, etc. But in the past decade, you see uh, there's a, a strong moment, momentum in the uh, deep learning field. Uh, with the uh, all kinds of uh, deep learning algorithms, theories, and also the GPU. Uh, cloud, etc., um, and also on the biotechnology side, uh, I can also see a lot of uh, new technologies booming. Uh, when I was in graduate school, we when we studied the gene expression, is based on microarray data. But nowadays, people talk about next generation uh, sequencing, uh, genome editing, etc. So, uh, so you can see that on uh, data and technology sides, we are able to generate a lot of data, and you know, using algorithms to uh, learn new visions. And this happens across industry everywhere. And uh, pharmaceutical is also one of them. Uh, so uh, I can see, um, you know, uh, the pharmaceutical industry is kind of uh, very uh, special and interesting. Uh, usually it, it's very lengthy and costly process. People usually say uh, it, it, took, uh, it takes uh, more than 10 years and uh, over a billion dollars to launch a new medicine to the market. So, uh, so and the success rate is uh, is really uh, is relatively low. It's just about ten percent. Then people start thinking, how could how could we improve the success rate? How can we improve the efficiency, etc. Then uh, some people think from the science perspective. Some think from the clinical perspective. And with the AI booming, obviously we all think about uh, from the computation data AI perspective. How could we improve the whole uh, pharmaceutical um, research uh, uh, process, uh, R and D process? Uh, so uh, yeah, I can. Uh, deep dive into this a lot, but uh, briefly, um, then uh, people start to think, uh, what are the, you know, from the uh, computational side, there are some very interesting uh, frameworks. So uh, for, for example, there's uh, one study from uh, AstraZeneca. So they look at the, their internal pipeline and found that improving the scientific understanding of the molecules does improve the uh, success rate. 
and 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 uh, and also they summarize that into five uh, key factors, uh, which includes uh, the right target, right tissue, right safety, right patients, and the right commercial strategy. So uh, obviously, uh, AI and data and AI could uh, help uh, either uh, discover or improve every of those uh, uh, key factors. Uh, and if, but for me, I would like to simplify this into uh, three uh, natural stages of drug development, which includes the uh, early discovery and clinical research, and also the real-world evidence. So the uh, for the um, early discovery, it means anything uh, that happens before the first human dosage. Uh, the clinical trials, meaning the drug is being tested on human bodies to test its uh, safety and efficacy. And when the drug is approved, uh, it goes to the market. Uh, it will uh, doctors will prescribe that to you know a lot of uh, more patients in the real world data. Now, how is the uh, safety and uh, efficacy profile like? Then this is all falls into the real world evidence and outcomes research. Obviously, AI could play a key role in each of that. Uh, I could give more uh, de uh, details uh, uh, if time permits. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. And that, that was a really good breakdown. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And actually, I think what you're talking about there is essentially data-driven transformation, business data-driven business transformation, specifically from an end-to-end uh, an, an -end R&D perspective. And, and we hear this word a lot, data-driven, data-driven. Okay, So how would you define data-drivenness in a clinical context? Yeah, the data-driven, uh, either uh, from science perspective or, or clinical perspectives. Um, so, so let me uh, start with some examples. It might give more concrete uh, details. Mm. So, for example, in early discovery, it, it includes a lot of um, steps as well, uh, such as target identification and validation, basically finding the right uh, uh, protein targets in the human body that are disease-related uh, or disease-causing. So we want to use molecules uh, to intervent uh, uh, this, uh, uh, those target proteins in order to achieve therapeutic effects. So in, during this process, uh, there's a lot of experimental data uh, being generated, um, uh, including genomics, including uh, proteomics, and also a lot of scientific, uh, scientific findings have been published in the literature. So now if we think about data-driven, uh, a lot of good places to start with is to go to the literature, go to the uh, scientific conferences, to using natural language processing and machine learning to extract uh, key, inform key uh, information about uh, um, gene disease relationships, gene disease drug relationships, etc. And then, then combine this knowledge with genomics, uh, proteomics, all kinds of omics to build a huge um, network. Then you can apply all kinds of AI algorithms, uh, graph neural networks, uh, Bayesian networks to prioritize the targets so that it could more efficiently help you define and uh, uh, find those novel targets uh, mm. meeting your uh, therapeutic needs. So that's just one example of data-driven which is actually uh, already happening across the industry. And also when it goes to the clinical, uh, then uh, a key aspect is how, uh, is how do we uh, find the right patients, right? Then there's a lot of research uh, being done using um, data science, trying to uh, compare the uh, study protocols with the electronic health records of the patients. Uh, and we can, using AI, to find a lot of information about the uh, demographic, about the uh, disease history, about the prior treatment history, and also the uh, clinical uh, measures of the patients so that we can find the, the right patients for all kinds of uh, clinical studies. So these are kind of the uh, real examples of a data-driven approach. And also uh, data is also uh, fundamentally changing the way how clinical trials being conducted. Previously, um, for example, patients need to go to the clinical sites and uh, then the uh, investigators at the size need to collect data and do the uh, analysis, do the manual uh, measures, et cetera, to collect the data. And now uh, with the booming of digital health, then a lot of things could happening uh, at, uh, uh, remotely, of course, with the uh, regulatory approval and also the consent from the patients. Mm. So now uh, people are talking about smart homes. You can actually turn your homes into a clinical uh, research sites, right, uh, with uh, all kinds of variables. So this is another example about how data uh, and technology are fundamentally change the way we conduct uh, uh, clinical research. So yeah, so these are some examples of data-driven 
um, mm. practice or models. Yeah. And by definition, you see these these roles and these these opportunities coming up for big organizations in in the functions you said you mentioned clinical specifically and real world analytics, right? Uh, the, these these new technologies and these these new uh, opportunities. Uh, where do you see the biggest opportunities for ambitious companies and ambitious data leaders today? Yeah. So okay. So this then this goes to the topic of uh, transformational leadership, right? Mm. Uh, so uh, then uh, I think uh, there are uh, several key factors. Uh, to me, I think uh, first is uh, the vision, and second is inspiration, and the third is about execution. So uh, let me expand. Uh, so the uh, if we talk about the transformation uh, versus the transaction. Uh, so meaning is not just getting things done on time, on a budget, uh, but also bring big ideas uh, to the uh, current practice uh, to gain a significant um, improvement in terms of efficiency, uh, scientific uh, understanding, uh, customer relationships, et cetera. It is, uh, mm. you know, the spectrum. So, uh, so to me, I think then uh, we need the big ideas, uh, you know, uh, from the... Uh, academic from industry from the uh startup companies etc so in order for a leader to have those kind of uh aspects i think uh obviously we need uh have the uh, knowledge experience uh, but also we need to uh be uh ready for scientific uh challenges intellectual challenges we need to challenge ourselves and also the current practice how could we become better so yeah so this is a big a big mm. uh, a part of the uh, being a uh, a vision of uh, leader, uh, leadership. Okay. And second is about the uh, inspiration. Obviously, we need a uh, a team and a, a community to make those big visions uh, become reality. So I, I know a lot of uh, inspirational leaders. They give very nice uh, speeches, uh, motivate people. Uh, I really admire them. Mm. Uh, I think uh, communication is a very key factors to connecting uh, people. Uh, bring people together to achieve bigger mission. Uh, but also I think uh, the uh, intellectual stimulation is also very important for inspiration, uh, especially uh, when those uh, young graduates, young minds, when they enter the industry, they become the next generation workforce. Then uh, we, we, we wanted to, um, you know, uh, to be able to uh, intellectually stimulate their thinkings, to bring their knowledge, talents into the current challenges, right? Uh, then, so this is the kind of inspiration part. And then uh, goes to the uh, execution part. I think this is uh, very important because uh, in order to achieve this vision, you have the uh, ideas, you have teams, but you also need the strategists, you know, to make things happen, right? Mm. So uh, to me, I think uh, for uh, leaders, uh, you know, uh, then uh, I think uh, being a role model is really important uh, because, um, you know, people are watching you and also you wanted to uh, be transformational and you you wanted to, you know, bring contributions uh, to the community uh, to, to empower uh, the teams and also uh, all kinds of uh, stakeholders and the customers. Uh, then uh, we, uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, being a role model, meaning, for example, if you do data science, and you bring a new ideas, then at least you should go through the exercises yourself. Then what are the possible approaches and what are the pros and cons? And what are early signs of success, right? We have to be clear about those things, mm. right? So uh, then uh, when we bring those things on the table, then it's very uh, much uh, more convenient to communicate and convincing people. And also uh, another perspective is about, uh, I think is about, uh, 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 interest alignment. We need to align person, uh, personal interests with the organization or team interests because, you know, people have different backgrounds, they have different expertise. Uh, but a good thing is that uh, nowadays uh, data science uh, is a team sport, right? The, uh, meaning everybody could uh, play an effective role. Uh, so we need uh, to have a very clear strategy how we align personal uh, strength interests with the organization and team's strength. If we are, we are, if we are able to do that, then I, I believe obviously people will be motivated to bring their best to the work and uh, uh, make the best contributions. So uh, so these are some aspects, uh, some aspects of uh, execution and the, uh, the big picture of uh, being uh, inspirational and uh, transformational, yeah. 
Yeah, you just give me a ton of stuff to to work with there. So let's let's break that down. And, and one of the yeah. first things you said there was was a, a transactional transformation. And and this is something that my co-founder Laszlo and I were talking about uh, just mm-hmm. earlier this week. The word transform actually it's uh, the word trans means on the other side of. It's an old Latin word, and form mm-hmm. comes from an old French word forme, which means uh, image or likeness. So what you're actually trying to do with a, a specifically a data driven transformation is get from one form, which is uh, a legacy company that's been around for many years with many specific processes and and a specific culture and change that model, that likeness, that image into get to the other side of that. That's what the word transform means when you you break it specifically down. So, And you mentioned this transactional transformation, which I I thought was really interesting because it uses both of those trans prefixes, which is on the other side of. So with the the word transactional, for example, what you're talking about there is, is just simply moving from one stage to another, but you hit the nail on the head because it isn't, just about transaction at all. And, and you mentioned this, this, this because we're working with people, we're not working with robots. Uh, we're, we're working with, with people who have feelings and emotions and, 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 uh, uh, and they have particular things that drive them. And you mentioned that uh, you need to be a role model for uh, and have that intellectual stimulation was the word you used, I think. Uh, and I really, really like that. And specifically, let's let's talk about the role model piece as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes to being that role model, uh, what do you, do you think that, uh, how does one fit into that? Or if you look at, for example, outside of your company or, or your industry, and you see like a chief data officer, what kind of role model do you think that they should be for data-driven business transformation? Well, um, I think first uh, is, uh, you know, have that, uh, uh, you know, a spirit, uh, you know, uh, like uh, knowing that data and technology is booming and there's that can-do spirit, uh, I think is very important. Uh, because, um, you know, many times when you big, uh, bring visions uh, on the table, then, uh, you know, is this doable? Then, this, I mean, you know, the role model uh, needs to find a good niche uh, to, and also need to uh, be a, uh, you know, have that kind of can-do spirit to carry on things. I think uh, that, that that's very important. And also, um, that, that's from the, uh, the bigger perspective, right? But uh, also, I, I, I want to uh, emphasize uh, small is also uh, very important. Uh, small meaning like uh, you uh, pay attention to details, uh, you know, uh, do, doing concrete uh, tasks and, uh, you know, generate uh, evidences. Um, uh, obviously, uh, every aspect, we, uh, we, 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 um, to do things effectively, we need a, a team, right? But, but also, if we break down the uh, data science uh, um, projects or ideas into pieces, then uh, it could be becomes very uh, detailed. Uh, so, for example, um, if you wanted to, uh, you know, transform the how uh, clinical research is being done, there are all kinds of uh, paradigms, models, right? And if you talk about uh, digital health, there are all kinds of sensors, variables, invisibles, uh, you know, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, being a role model, I think, uh, I, when you, um, you know, embracing those ideas, you should uh, deep dive into those ideas and get um, to know the landscape to to know what is uh already possible today uh what might be the next um uh, you know the um uh, low hanging fruits so uh we have to think very deep uh to where those tiny uh small things um uh so that when you you know uh communicate with people or when you uh collaborate with people then people will feel that they will appreciate that so i think these are just some uh, examples uh, of mm. being a role model, but there's tons more, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I think yeah. you're in a, a really interesting position because your background is and your your theoretical background, your academic background is is yeah. uh, bioinformatics and clinical, but you've actually become this 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 data leader. So my next question is how do you work with people who are on each side of the camp? For example, you're going to be working with people who are strictly in the business camp. And I'm sure you work and you're, you're very familiar with people who are just in the clinical camp. So you kind of sit at the intersection of business and clinical. How do you uh, how do you reconcile those? And how do you bring the clinical into the business and the business into the clinical in that sense? Yeah, I think uh, I love that question. Yeah, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, technology is booming, uh, but also on the business side, uh, it's a, a lot of uh, new uh, paradigms, uh, you know, uh, new um, new challenges, right? Then how do we reconcile uh, those two sides? How do we uh, effectively apply the technologies into the business settings? Uh, so um, I think 
there are many different uh, perspectives. Uh, so for me, uh, uh, I, I like to connect with people uh, from different backgrounds. So for example, uh, if we think about a team's perspective, right, then I, I really love to uh, collaborate with, with domain experts. You know, domain experts, they are able to uh, articulate details uh, about uh, and challenges in their uh, language, either in uh, scientific language, if they are uh, basic uh, research, uh, basic science researchers, or in the clinical language, if they they do clinical research, right? But we, as a data and uh, computational scientists, we speak a language in mathematics, in machine learning, AI, you know, those kind of lang um, programming languages, right? Uh, and then I think um, uh, one way is to how we. Um, you know, team up with those dom uh, domain experts so that uh, we enrich uh, each other. Uh, so, so yeah, so I always love uh, work with uh, domain experts and also um, bring together the domain expert piece and also the computational uh, aspects so that uh, the two sides can achieve the, um, the maximum uh, outcome. Uh, so that is mm. uh, one, one aspect, yeah. Interesting. And, and from that perspective, then, if you have uh, leaders on your team and, and in your in your vertical who, you know, they're yeah. clinical by trade, but they, they want to learn more about data analytics, how would you advise those people to get more influence with the business side of things? Because the, it, there is that that pull from the business of we want to be more data driven. But how do you how do you advise those people who want to to push that agenda further? Yeah, I think that's a great question. This goes to uh, some other types of uh, relationships, uh, you know. Uh, there's, um, you know, app management support is also very important. You know, you wanted to get, uh, you know, organizational support and the leaders support for your initiatives. Then, then people talk about uh, managing app. Then this is about uh, you have a, uh, um, you know, uh, very nice uh, business proposals and you are able to do the, uh, the business pitch to do that, uh, you know, uh, idea, idea uh, pitch, you know, to to quickly get the uh, ideas across and get feedback, uh, feedbacks, right? And also, I think um, for um, another pr perspective is also um, I, I heard people th uh, saying that uh, all all the uh, you know uh, scientists, researchers, uh, uh, data pract uh, practitioners, we need to um, form a network of uh, mentors. So meaning those people, they are more experienced, they, they, they could give you very nice suggestions and the feedback, right? So, and I mean, a network of uh, mentors is very important. You are not limited to just one or two mentors, but you have a, a huge network with all kinds of domain experts, uh, data experts, uh, academic and uh, industry experts, you connect with them, right? So this is, um, prepare you and create you a very nice environment. You get support and feedback uh, very timely from people, right? And and then um, and then also uh, you need to connect with your uh, peers. Uh, those people, uh, they are not necessarily uh, working day to day with you, uh, but they are your peers. And uh, if you uh, form a strong network with them, uh, often you get very surprising uh, results. For example, they could, uh, you know, uh, become the advocates uh, for each other. For example, they, they know you're working on some interesting ideas. When next time they come across uh, some new people in those areas, they would, uh, you know, introduce you. Uh, so I often get those kind of introductory uh, emails from people. And surprisingly, I get to new, uh, know new people and new customers. And from there, I can even get uh, derive some new projects uh, to extend, uh, you know, the ideas and get more impactful results. Um, yeah. And also, uh, then when it go, uh, goes to the teams, and then uh, again, what I mentioned about um, uh, being able to align uh, individual team members' interests with the uh, project uh, interests, with the um, you know the portfolio interests, mm. I think that's also very important. Uh, also, needs a lot of interaction communication. So uh, I would see the keyword is a uh, a network uh, to get uh, you know ideas, get feedback is very important. Yeah. Interesting. And, and actually what I think you're alluding to there is that is breaking down the silos. So rather than have a, a clinical data team and, a, and an, an early research team and a real world data team and then a sales team and then a marketing team, what you what you're actually the the end state that everyone wants to be in is have a uh, have an end to end data enterprise. So what what you're kind of alluding to there is 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 storytelling, right? It's 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 mm -hmm. how can I how can I create this compelling message and how can I convey this this compelling message to people who might not be bought in, in in my company, which is you know it's an older it's an old company, um, like many other companies out there, they're not 
they're not Apple, they're not Facebook, they're not inherently data driven. So what are some of the, the, the skills that you use in terms of conveying that message across the business? Okay, so this is about uh, how to influence and get support uh, and convincing key stakeholders, right? Um, I think, uh, interestingly, I think this is kind of related to your um, proposal writing. Uh, for myself, uh, as I mentioned, I, I stayed at a, a small AI company before uh, where I, uh, a, a big chunk of my work is to uh, come up with uh, business proposals, uh, interact with my uh, customers in the government agencies. Uh, I, I think, yeah, so I gained a lot of experiences and observations there. Uh, I think, um, so um, the first we need to come up with a very strong proposal, right? So the, the proposal is like, okay, now uh, this is a current situation either the industry is facing or your company is facing, right? And you want to bring this to the next um, stage, you know, uh, to be uh, transformational. Right, and and then uh, then what are, what is your main uh, objectives? Right, you you need to be able to articulate uh, objective one to three, and uh, for on each objective, uh, we need to break down that into uh, doable tasks. Right, task one to three. Right, so uh, then I I would say this is kind of a very uh, template uh, a way to uh, capture ideas. So I I, I would encourage people uh, whenever you want to be. Uh, you know, bring up new ideas, want to create projects, you start with those kind of uh, proposal writing, right? Uh, it doesn't mean you write things uh, rigorously, but you, uh, uh, from your mindset, you need to have this kind of frameworks, right? Uh, and, and then uh, second, uh, you need to be able to pitch your ideas uh, to, to the audience, to the right audience, right? So sometimes, uh, you know, this depends, right? Sometimes uh, for a Academic researchers, their uh, audience is probably program uh, officers from the government agencies or some, uh, you know, f uh, potential founders, right? And for startups, you need to, uh, you know, uh, audience might be the uh, the venture capitals and your uh, as a company uh, or uh, within us inside a company. So your uh, audience could be those up management who could uh, sponsor you, who, uh, who could fund you, right? So, so, so you should be able to uh, ready to. You know, um, in very short uh, period of time, like uh, people, I see people do one minute uh, a pitch, uh, three minute pitch, elevated talks, right, to to get ideas course. So I think this uh, those kind of things are very challenging uh, and interesting, but also need a lot of uh, time to practice. So so we have to be prepared uh, with the good content in a proposal format and should be able to. Uh, get across the proposal to the right audience in a timely fashion, get their feedbacks. Yeah. And and I think uh, it's obviously, of course, it's of course important to have the right information and, and be prepared and go in for that. How important yeah. do you think things like soft skills are, like communication, influence, and persuasion are in, in, in the ability to, to get these pitches across, let's say? Yeah, um, I think good question. Uh, I think... Uh, you know, interpersonal uh, communication or getting, you know, personal is really, uh, I would think is a piece of art. Uh, the soft skills, uh, how you interact with people, uh, either face-to-face -face or remotely. Uh, these are very challenging. Um, so I, I myself I ha, ha, uh, have been reflecting on this as well. Uh, I think probably uh, individualized attention uh, might be the key. Because your audience, uh, you know, have you, they have coming from uh, different backgrounds, but I think uh, you should be able to tell um, what is their, uh, you know, uh, focus, where what where, where's their interest uh, lies, right? So um, if you are able to capture that, uh, you know, individual um, differences, you, then you can apply strategies about the uh, individualized attention. So, for example. Um, for example, if you are coaching a team, right, and you have some some people uh, just graduate from you know uh, some uh, uh, college or, or or graduate school, right? Then uh, those people uh, they, they really have a very uh, curious uh, um, you know curiosity mind, right? And they want to learn about uh, you know what uh, why data is useful in you know in these business settings. Basically, they want to learn a little bit more about the uh, the business settings, how their talents could plug in. So in those uh, scenarios, it could be like more detailed, more hands-on. Mm -hmm. But we good. Uh, but if you are um, working with a, a very experienced uh, team members, they they are kind of basically 
had tons of years of experience that kind of independent researchers, right? So, uh, so you, uh, so in those scenarios, uh, you don't want to uh, micromanage them, uh, but you instead you want to, you know, uh, create environment uh, to give uh, timely feedbacks to ensure that uh, uh, individual interest is aligned with the bigger project and the team uh, interests. And if you could do that, uh, uh, I, I think the person would be very happy and uh, and obviously the country contribute uh, very uh, positively to the whole portfolio, right? So mm. yeah, it really depends. Uh, I, uh, and also when you talk to uh, your peers, uh, your peers are different, different backgrounds ground right and we talk to your um you know managements right uh, and your uh your sponsors right they are all different right so so i think uh being able to capture the individual difference uh, their interests and your own interests and how to align all kinds of interests uh very quickly uh to have an eff effective communication i think that's a good uh starting point and mm -hmm. uh, I, everyone should start uh, uh exercising themselves yeah and we've had some some good advice from you about the the kind of skills and the, and the kind of uh, ideas that we we need to profess as business leaders. What role did these skills play in your in your success as a professional during your career? You know, whether it was uh, in your previous roles or, or your current role. And when, can you tell us about some times that that actually these made significant difference to, let's say, buy in or or stakeholder engagement or breaking down silos or the culture pieces, anything like that? Um. So. Uh... So do you mean the uh, the challenges or the successful stories? I guess you want it's to both. See. Both. No, actually, we we, we we like both. We like success okay. stories because it showcases the best. We like okay. times that it was tough because it shows common pitfalls. You know what to avoid as well. So you know the floor is yours. Okay, uh, I think the successful stories I had is about being able to uh, apply those transformation ideas to a uh, you know the uh, the industry scenarios. So for example. Uh, you, you know, um, I'm sorry, I, I have to go to some uh, examples I, I experienced myself, right? So nowadays, uh, like, uh, you know, in every farmer, there's a medical affairs uh, teams. They they are the people who are kind of sitting as the bridges between the uh, the, the patients, uh, researchers, doctors. They are kind of the, um, you know, the, uh, the linkers of uh, different parties, right? So uh, usually um, the, the old practice is that uh, when they go uh, you know, use a lot of uh, site visits, manual interactions, you know, meaning like you need to physically visit doctors, you know, you go to different conferences, meeting uh, experts, uh, etc. right? And, but but now I think uh, then I, I was proposing uh, using the data science approach, um, uh, uh, data-driven approach instead of a purely human-driven approach. So meaning that uh, we could harvest a lot of existing data, private data, uh, you know, uh, putting putting things all together, then we apply uh, data mining, text mining, machine learning uh, on top of that. Then we could, can quickly prioritize the uh, interests. So, for example, uh, thought leaders, uh, novel targets, novel molecules, etc. Right. So, so you can uh, quickly using this uh, data and AI to generate those kind of. Uh, uh, candidates, right? And you, then you show this to people. And then, then people have different uh, reactions. Some people will say, oh, wow, you, you got something. I never thought it was there. Maybe I read uh, pieces of paper. I might hit it some someday, but uh, you are now holistically putting all the knowledge on the table, right? So those are the kind of usually uh, advocates uh, for you. They can quickly take your results and then apply those results and so that they say, oh, uh, it saves me a lot of time visiting doctors and visiting uh, 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 key opinion leaders, right? Um, and the same thing happens with the external innovation teams and when they're trying to find the uh, prom promising collaborators, right? Then you, if you are able to able to pinpoint them where the, you know, those uh, talents, uh, those uh, things of interest are lies, then they, they could be appreciate uh, uh, you, right? So I, I think in this way, we are, uh, you know, transform transforming the um, mainly menu uh, human approach into a AI empowered approach. So uh, obviously, uh, efficiency and the uh, outcome would be better because you could uh, those um, solutions could potentially are not possible without uh, with just human uh, approach, right? So you mm -hmm. can see this are the power. Uh, but challenges, I, I, I would say again, um, I think many challenges. That's uh, I'm also thinking about the challenges uh, from the uh, the data. And AI, uh, the whole perspective, right? I think we, we talk about the data as a silos, it's a challenge, right? Then, uh, not, um, be, for example, if you want to, do, to be data driven, if you don't have the data, right? 
or if you want to build a machine learning models, you don't have any labeled data, then what are you going to do, right? Now, obviously, and now people are, now every organization start to have a data organization. And I see a good trend is that people start to share data uh, within the organization, outside the organization. So it's a very healthy um, um, environment right now. Uh, and then the, the challenge is about the uh, the AI model itself, right? Then how do we, how do we uh, translate the business problem into AI problem? Because if we are not able to translate um, business problem into AI problem, we are not able to harvest the mm. real power of AI. So for example, if you want to find uh, uh, novel molecules, novel targets, right? If you are not able to define the novelty in you know, in computer language, then how could you build an AI model for that, right? So this obviously needs a, a domain experts and data scientists they come together to define the mm. problem. And then uh, the challenge I saw is about the uh, the algorithms uh, perspective. Um, then, uh, you know, people often get a conception that is especially the general public, when, when they think about AI, they thought, okay, now you got a really smart robot, which can, you know, solve all the problems you might have uh, could replace humans. But they neglect the fact that many uh, nowadays uh, AI algorithms, you know, have a uh, limitations. Uh, for example, the from performance perspective, no AI algorithms are 100%, right? Um, mm. Because you have uh, uh, statistics, uh, patterns uh, to find those trends, build models. So this is not going to be 100%. And also there are going to be buyers, right? If your data is buyer, mm. uh, biased and your problem is biased, then how could you, you know, build an effective model, right? So then this obviously goes to how we can, you know, fundamentally improve the AI, uh, the algorithms we have. How do we, uh, uh, you know, build more accurate models, uh, less biased models, et cetera, right? These are the obviously challenges. And also another challenge I think is about uh, uh, model deployment or data deployment, right? So now you're good, uh, you have good data, you have good um, models, you mm. want, embed those things into uh, daily uh, activities of, uh, of, uh, of, of, of the company or of uh, a team, right? So, uh, and then uh, usually I found uh, there's some challenge. I mean, if we're using simple engineering uh, mindset, uh, you would think, oh, things just plug and you click button, they just run, right? But, but in reality, it's not like that. Uh, for example, uh, you could get the, uh, you know, uh, challenges from the very beginning when you deploy a model, then people say, okay, I don't understand the model. I, I don't know the input and outputs, right? So sometimes it's related to the UI UX problems, but sometimes it's related to the, the model might not be that practical. People mm -hmm. cannot, right? So in those scenarios, you have to resolve those issues uh, before you deploy your models, right? Be, um, I'm not talking about uh, IT uh, challenges and because nowadays there's a lot of computing power, a lot of you know, uh, a cloud storage, etc. So uh, this is a less challenging, but the challenge is right, uh, about really what's the real value of data model and how to make people love to uh, uh, embrace that. And also, again, this is related to the uh, soft skills in the communication skills uh, to let people understand your model. Because sometimes the, you know, people's attitudes is quite interesting, you know, Data AI is really flexible, right? If if we if we really understand it, uh, on the pro understand the problem, understand the nature of the business, business, we can always be better, right? We can build baseline models, and then we can always be better um, in uh, in the near future. But if you, uh, people are not understanding you, all the intercommunication, uh, interpersonal communication uh, gets. Uh, stuck, right? Then, uh, then people don't want to pursue, right? They would say, "Oh, okay, this model is not working. Data mo uh, data is not working." They, they lose interest to listen to you and uh, you know work with you, right? Mm. Right. But but instead, uh, if you have different uh, attitudes from people, they say, "Oh, okay, now this is interesting. This is better than uh, random guess. This is better than what I uh, manually did before because you have some new findings, a uh, new." Uh, ideas, right, uh, bring on the table, then uh, they love to um, interact with you, right? So many times these kind of scenarios, how to win people's uh, positive attitudes is a uh, state of the art, uh, it's a piece of art, mm. uh, it's challenging. Um, but also from another perspective, I see um, one way to solve the challenge, uh, you need to find uh, advocates, right? Because, you know, um, theoretically, uh, when you work on projects, right, you have, um, players on the um on the on the projects right you, you have stakeholders you have customers 
you have team members, etc. Some things you couldn't change, right? But sometimes uh, things could could be changed. For example, uh, you could choose to uh, uh, collaborate with certain types of people with the same uh, kind of mindset with you. Those would make things much easier uh, because uh, this uh, will help you to generate a positive results very quickly. And then those uh, uh, people, uh, customers, they can speak for you. Then mm. the products speak for you, right? Then in this way, you can get attractions uh, indirectly from people you are not necessarily directly working with, right? So, so in this perspective, um, then uh, if you are able to uh, pick smartly about your collaborators, like your uh, your, uh, your your project uh, team members, because this way uh, you can you really uh, work very effectively towards the uh, end results, and then let the results speak for you. So this is a, a one way to overcome you know the challenges of interpersonal communication yeah yeah and you you've touched on pretty much the heart and soul of what we do here which is data on its surface as you said with it systems it, it looks very technical it looks like a science it looks like you can you can adapt and apply it very algorithmically very systematically but actually when you dig a little bit deeper under the surface data analytics buy-in and business transformation in this context is actually mm-hmm. way more of a of an art than a science, and and this is where the soft skills and all that kind of stuff playing like with with IT and cloud computing. That's the technical side. That's the that's the uh, you know the, the, the process orientated side. But actually, uh, when you look at the creative side, there's so much you can do with data analytics. And a, a big theme about everything you just said is kind of trust in AI, right? So, what are some of the best questions that you ask in 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 terms of building trust with key stakeholders and establishing a relationship? Again, you can talk about it from a clinical context because that's what you're working in. Um, but how, how would you go about doing that? Um, key stakeholders, right. Um, yeah, I think that's a very interesting, uh, interesting question, but also very broad. Um, I think uh, really, uh, I think understanding the your key stakeholders is probably the first step, right? Understanding the uh, their business, uh, their problems, and also in, uh, importantly to understanding the personal flavor, right? I mean, we all do science, we all do technology, but people their focus somehow different, right? Again, it goes to what I mentioned, uh, individualized attention, right? Um, because if you trust the uh, the stakeholders, uh, could uh, work with you very. Effectively, effectively to achieve the best, um, um, you know, results. Then the uh, trust is is the first thing you need to have, right? Trust people, and then uh, und- and then try try to understand them, uh, and, and then uh, from there you can tell, okay, uh, to what extent you could do. Uh, I, I I do think sometimes there are limitations. Uh, for example, uh, from either side or both sides, you, you can you sometimes you end up the collaboration, uh, you know, the scope might not be that fruitful. Uh, I think it's also important to realize this in the very beginning, uh, like, uh, because it's impact how how much you expect, right? Um, and, and sometimes uh, you, you know, you, you know, uh, from a certain um, collaborators, you know that you will achieve a lot, right? You, you can get this kind of feeling. So in those sense, you, you, you should also appreciate the opportunities of, uh, of working with those kind of people. So, um, yeah, so I don't think there's a general rule, but uh, I think really uh, trusting people, uh, understanding them, and uh, realize how much, uh, you know, what to expect or what not to expect, right, is very important. And then, uh, you know, we, we all need to uh, respect people, right? Uh, so uh, in, in my previous company, uh, then there's a company culture about uh, being, uh, about excellence, uh, uh, about uh, uh, in- integrity and ab- uh, mm. also about acting uh, people, right? So, um, so I would say, um, no matter uh, you end up with a very fruitful re- uh, collaboration or not, right? We we should always respect people and respect uh, their ideas. I know there could be uh, differences um, in minds, in you know, in attitudes, in ways we communicate. So, uh, if we have this kind of op- open-minded. Uh, uh, attitude. I think we we, should, we we are able to you know achieve a uh, uh, more and uh, can go further. Yeah. Interesting. And look, it's been a really interesting conversation. I just have a couple more questions for you. But you, we mentioned that this is more of a of an art than a science, and and we can kind of nail that down. How intentional are you when it comes to actually a specific roadmap uh, for data science and AI transformation? Uh, let talking more about the science side down behind it. Do you have a system in place that helps to? Uh, helps you engage with the team and and interact and get the execution side down. 
Yes. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, so, uh, so, um, yeah, I, I would, I would just say uh, some projects, they, um, you know, projects, they have different maturity level, right? Uh, some projects I had uh, uh, were, were, were quite influential. So for example, in uh, my previous roles, I, I have won multiple uh, internal uh, innovation awards. Uh, so these are not just based on ideas, but also based on the business impact, right? So for example, we built a, um, a machine learning and natural language processing uh, uh, pipelines, right? These pipelines nowadays, people, it's meaning like end-to-end -end systems. It doesn't, does not necessarily mean fully automatic. There's uh, human interventions in between. But but the system, the idea is that it goes from the, uh, the data uh, collection so now I, 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 I like to probably using some IT language, people talk about a tiered architecture, right? Then in the bottom, you have a the uh, data source and the data management layer, right? And then on top, you have analytics uh, or data processing layer. And on top, you have a presentation layer. So uh, so I, I used to have a lot of uh, successful projects which have uh, accomplished those kind of steps and achieved and everything packed into a uh, working products or prototypes, and now people starting to using that. Uh, so, for example, in, uh, in in finding the novel uh, targets, novel molecules, we have systems to integrate uh, all kinds of uh, textual information, genomics information. They, then we have also some uh, causal uh, related models like uh, Bayesian networks uh, to prioritize things of interest, and we have presentation layer, uh, the visualizations, uh, the simple ways kind of dashboards, right? Uh, to visualize those key uh, findings uh, in a, a rank ordered way uh, based on the evidence, right? Then people, when they uh, examine the list, for example, the novel molecules, uh, novel targets of key opinion leaders, they can just click uh, on each record, then they can see all the evidences and also the uh, scores ranked by AI algorithms mm. able to uh, see this kind of uh, a list, right? Those things is quite powerful because uh, you know many times it's a kind of a human is to you know do a lot of work. They have to put, um, do uh, reading uh, papers, uh, do experiments, put things together. They go to the field, they go to conference. Usually, it's happening like that way, right? But with these kind of systems, you ahead of time and uh, knowing the the field. Now you can plan your more targeted um, mm. uh, actions, next steps. For example, how do you engage the companies behind the novel molecules, how do you engage thought leaders with experts you're looking uh, for your new product launch, etc. So you can uh, go ahead to uh, plan your uh, next steps, and then you can see a kind of uh, a step further than your peers, right? Uh, so I, I would say this kind of systems would be wonderful, uh, and I have a, a experience in that. Um, and, and also uh, for exploration uh, projects, I also have uh, uh, some experience in that. So those things are a little uh, harder to measure success uh, because mm. it's explorational. For example, you wanted to find new therapies to treat a certain type of cancer, right? You know, there's a um, oncology, there's many um, new therapies, new modalities happening, uh, you know, every day. And, but but how, how do you, you know, find your, your unique uh, position to uh, propose uh, new therapies? I think that's very challenging, right? You can, uh, so, for example, if we talk about uh, the, uh, the the tumor growth, right? The the metastatic uh, cancer is 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 very uh, challenging. Uh, it's very uh, devastating to uh, patients and families. But then, how do you find a unique angle uh, from the science perspective, like a mechanism of the disease? And the mechanism of, of actions for your uh, your proposed molecules, etc. Think from this perspective. Um, it's very challenging. Uh, of course, uh, it, it it needs to be data driven, but many times it's a science driven, right? Uh, if you, for example, you want to know the, uh, uh, you want to track the uh, activities of your uh, tumor cells, uh, cancer cells, uh, at every stage uh, of their progression. Mm -hmm. Um, previously, it's very hard to do, but nowadays we see uh, like a single cell omics, those kind of technology, spatial omics, you start able to get those kind of capabilities to look inside those uh, tumor cells or your immune cells, etc. So, you know, those, those things that depend on the, the science and technology the ones, it's not just about yourself, right? So, so in those scenarios, I would say, their kind of exploration uh, uh, nature. But I, I always love to tackle those kind of problems as well, because, you know, that's a future trend. Uh, you know, you can imagine 
several years um, down the road or decades down the road, you you sooner or later you are able to have those kind of technologies. You are able to get those kind of data, right? Then uh, then again, you wanted to use this data. Then how do you use, right? Then you start yeah. building models, etc. You can think ahead of time, and 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 don't be afraid about failure. Right, because you know uh, these those things uh, have this kind of uh, uh, you know risk uh, by nature, right? But uh, just uh, you know embrace ideas and uh, uh, try best yourselves, but also uh, appreciate uh, what's happening uh, around you uh, in the field. Uh, like uh, be humble, be excited. Yeah, I think uh, that's a message. Yeah. And really interesting stuff. It's been a really interesting podcast. Lots of, of great insights. Last question. So you have a job title that's been given to you by Novartis. You have a perception of the the way that people in the business perceive your role. How do you see your your role? What would you, if you had to dial your role into, you know, a couple of words? What what would those be? Are you uh, a transformation leader? Are you a a clinical transformation? You know, what what would that sound like in your own words? Yeah, uh, uh, I would say uh, two parts, right? Uh, one is uh, like uh, your day-to-day job. Uh, this uh, you need to uh, come to your roles, uh, which uh, you know, uh, this is kind of the uh, I would say uh, the mandate part of your uh, of your role, right? Those those are things you you need to do, right? But also there's another part. Uh, I really love the uh, the culture at Novartis. People call it uh, unbossed uh, uh, cultural environment. So it doesn't mean you don't have a boss, but uh, meaning like uh, uh, you are able to still able to have the uh, freedom to explore ideas uh, that um, you know you can uh, self-define your uh, innovation, your projects, right? And also mm. previously at Lilly, uh, I have very nice uh, mentors. Uh, and and managers, uh, they even give me some numbers saying that if you are doing uh, innovation, uh, you know, work, twenty percent of your time should be de- devoted to those innovation. So, meaning those twenty percent uh, does not need to be directly related to what you day to day job, um, but it has to be, you know, uh, from your own inspiration. Uh, what you see is important uh, to patients to the field. Uh, and uh, go ahead, do it, and collaborate with people that you thought necessarily that you want to connect, right? So define your own uh, innovation projects. And many times uh, you get success from those innovation projects. The, you got attention, you got impact. Mm. This could be transformed to your uh, formal uh, uh, day-to-day tasks, right? So that's kind of uh, very interesting as well. So I would say uh, always be, you know, be responsible for the task assigned to you, but also be uh, innovation. Try to bring innovation to uh, to to yourself, to a team, to your organization. Uh, play your role. Yeah. Mm. Well, Xiong, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been really great having you and uh, some really interesting answers there. Hopefully, we can work together again soon. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. 